This episode is brought to you by Mountain Sea Media. I spent half my life near the Pacific Ocean and the other half in the mountains of Central Oregon. These places are full of profound stories and experiences that guide my life, even now as a media creator and a beer professional. This is how Mountain Sea Media was born. I realized how impactful stories are to our lives and business. Stories share good experiences and the warmth of friends. They improve business by sharing these experiences and connecting deeply with our customers. If you'd like to connect better with your customers through copywriting and storytelling, contact me at jeremy at mountainseamedia.com. It's your story. I'll help you tell it. Welcome to a special mini-series of the Good Beer Matters podcast. These episodes are dedicated to helping the small, regional, large breweries, distributors, importers, as well as on and off-premise businesses in the beer industry survive this pandemic and even thrive once it's over. In this special series, we hear from industry experts to get their take on the biggest challenges and what you can do about it. Chris Farmond is the founder and CEO of Small Batch Standard, the leading financial, tax, and growth consulting option for the head of the class breweries. Chris and the SBS team have spent the better part of the past decade working with more than 100 craft breweries across the U.S., all with one singular aim, helping craft breweries grow profits. Hey, Chris, uh, so nice to uh, meet your voice anyway. Uh, thank you very much for coming on to this little uh, special mini-series of the Good Beer Matter show. You're welcome, Jeremy. Thank you for having me. Uh, just to kind of kick things off, um, I believe, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe you are in Florida right now, correct? I am in Jacksonville, Florida, yes, sir. Uh, and so I'm on clear on the other side of the country in Oregon. Um but uh, just for the sake of this show, uh, this, this particular mini-series, uh, give us a little bit of background of your role in the beer community, just so we uh, uh, kind of get a better sense of uh, what to expect. Sure. So nine years ago, I founded the Small Batch Standard after working with a local craft brewery in my hometown and understanding there was a major need for back office accounting and what has now become strategy, growth strategy help for breweries. So on the surface, we're a CPA firm. Uh, we do outsourced accounting, we do tax, and we do consulting for the, the craft industry. Uh, we currently serve 44 breweries and four distilleries across the nation. But when you dig a little deeper, you'll understand that we're really rooted in, number one, building deep relationships. Number two, building successful relationships. So uh, my, my biggest thing is really making sure that we're working with a brewery that um, the relationship's going to go way further than just you know transactional or accounting. Um, the second thing is we're only working with craft beverage manufacturers now. And uh, we dedicated ourselves to this once we realized the complexity and the need. And, um, yeah, that's, that's really about it in, in a nutshell. We are a financial agency for craft. And what was it about uh, beer? I mean, you know, someone could uh, well, work with uh, finances and taxes with uh, any business. Why did you choose beer specifically or craft uh, sure. beverages specifically? 
Sure. Uh, first and foremost, you know, I've always been into non-alcoholic fermentation. So huge fan of kombucha, huge fan of sauerkraut, huge fan of sourdough bread, always tinkered with, with those items. Um, once I began working with the local craft brewery here, I really, it opened my eyes to the complexity. Um, and when I say complexity, a craft brewery is up to five business units under one roof. You have the taproom retail, you have the wholesale, you have the manufacturing, you have the inventory, and then you have, uh, logistics if you're self-distributing. Um, then I began looking at the ownership profile and saying, who's opening these up in 2012, 13, 14. It was really two guys uh, or a guy and a gal or a husband and wife. And when I looked at, you know, where they were putting their energy and it was not toward the back office. And I said, well, this is really complicated. Then I dug a little further and I said, what's going on in the tap room versus wholesale. I looked at margins. I looked at, and I said, wow, there's a lot of money to be made in these tap rooms. So I just put the six and six together and said, there is a, certainly an opportunity here. It's a wonderful industry to serve because it's an industry that is rooted in humility. It's an industry that's rooted in, um, for the most part, everyone's staying in their own lane, meaning I'm really good at sales and marketing. I'm really good at brewing. Come and assist us. Come and help us. So we found a lot of success by um, uh, following those, you know, those principles and saying that, um, you know, you do what you do, we do what we do, and, and it really works well. Gotcha. Gotcha. I, and just a quick, that's one of the things that I love is, is this is an industry built on a lot of talent, a lot of uh, passion, a lot of uh, skill. Um, but back in the day, you know, there were a lot of people who, uh, had all of that, but were not the, uh, uh, didn't have the best business acumen. And, uh, and, you know, 20 years ago, that wasn't a requirement, but I think it is today. And, uh, especially under these, uh, global conditions, but, um, which is why we're talking to you. So, um, uh, before we really dive into the meat and potatoes of this, uh, real quick, uh, Chris, what are you drinking right now? Let's give some shout-outs to some of uh, those independent craft uh, beverage companies. Sure. I'm drinking uh, Thunderfunk out of, uh, from Bentwater Brewing in Lynn, Massachusetts. It's their version of a delicious West Coast IPA. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Um uh, and I am, well, so it is morning where I am right now, so I am not drinking a beer. Um, so I will mention the beer I had last night uh, from uh, Map Brewing Company in Bozeman, Montana. Um, they, uh, is a beer I got a hold of, uh, it was a uh, kind of like a German-style uh, Schwarzbier, um, and, and I love the name. It was the Arnold Schwarzenlager. It was, uh, it was, it was uh, both witty and uh, and the flavor profiles just really spot on to the style. Uh, a little bit lighter than I expected, but it was delicious. Um, went really well with my pasta too. Yeah, I've been following uh, Matt for a while now, and I, I would love to try some of their stuff one day. Yeah, I, uh, I I had the fortune of meeting one of the brewers at a competition where I picked up this beer, and and uh, and and she was very nice, and uh, we had a re really, really good and interesting conversation. So I'm looking to, uh, to head up there and have some more of it. Um, but uh, yeah, um, let's see. Uh, from your perspective, uh, 
Chris, I mean, you're coming from a kind of, we're all looking at the same problem, but from different points of view, from your perspective, what do you see as the biggest challenge for uh, the uh, any any business in the uh, beer industry these days? So specifically do it, dealing with, with this whole COVID situation and what we're dealing with right now? Yes. Okay. Um, I gotta be honest with you, Jeremy, uh, our, our customers, and we've done a very, um, diligent job of staying close to what I call our inner circle. Um, our customers are actually going to be fine. Um, and I, I also think that most craft breweries are going to be fine, um, with a, a bit of a caveat. So the customers we serve have two financial profiles. Number one is they are carrying very little debt and they have moderate cash flow. Uh, the other profile is they carry a healthy amount of debt, but they have outstanding cash flow. Uh, both of those have not seen a major dip in sales. They've seen a, some of a dip, but not a major dip. And what they've done to combat that is they've properly reduced expenses and reduced labor to make sure that they're beyond breaking even on a ongoing on an ongoing basis um, until we move back to some sort of kind of normalcy. Um, but the biggest you know the biggest challenge we're facing right now is the I'd say call it the economic uncertainty of what is going to happen uh, once we get back to normal. Um, I don't even know what normal is anymore. Uh, you and I were just talking about homeschooling our children and the challenges with that. Our schools are shut down for the rest of the year. So um, my wife and I are just trying to figure out what, what, what normal is. But if I had to guess, I would say that there's probably going to be a reverse of how we got into this. So at first it was, you know, operate status quo, business as usual. Then it was limited amount of people in your place of establishment. Then it was shut down to go service only. I think they're going to ramp up kind of the same way on the other side. And what this is going to lend itself to is the tap rooms really becoming more of a polished package store. And um, as much as they don't want to and as much as they want patrons to be there uh, drinking, the reality is is that um, they're going to have to convert to package stores. So. The breweries with canning lines and packaging lines right now, whether it's bottling or canning, have an advantage. Uh, they don't have to wait for the mobile canner to come around. They don't have to wait for crowlers to come and, and be beholden to the crowlers. Um, so that that's one, one thing. Um, the second thing is I think once people start coming back to tap rooms, it's going to be a matter of um, wanting an outdoor space or a clean air space to drink in. And that clean airspace is going to, you know, we're preaching to our inner circle right now, uh, look into expanded zoning, look into sprucing up, look into cleaning up, look into beautifying your outdoor space because people are going to want to drink beer from the source, which is the freshest beer. They're also going to want to drink it outside, drinking, the, you know, breathing the freshest air. So that, that's really what, what we are talking about uh, needs to happen you know, in the future, we do, we are reading some of the reports that are coming out from some trusted sources. I'm not going to name any names, but they are a bit doom and gloom. I think there are definitely going to be some casualties in this, but sure. from where we're sitting, um, I don't expect casualties 
from you know who we're who we're working with. Um, I expect uh, that the painful decisions have been made and the 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 pivots have been made, and once the economy starts to ramp up again, you know it, it will it will um, it'll all even out. Um, it'll all even out. And, and I've said from day one, um, the only thing hurting the craft brewing industry is that, um, it's premium alcohol, right? Um, alcohol tends to be a recession proof or natural disaster proof consumer good. Um, is premium alcohol a recession proof or natural disaster proof, uh, consumer good? That's, that's yet to be seen. But I can tell you from what we, who, the customers we're working with, we're not seeing a detrimental or fatal dip in revenue. And so it sounds like uh, you have advised your clients well, um, and there, I, I'm sure there are plenty of these, uh, uh, you know, large and small and regional breweries and and and, uh, and different on-premise um, uh, restaurants and bars who will weather this out. Uh, it kind of reminds me of a story, um, forgive the plug, but a story from one of uh, my guests previously in this uh, podcast, um, Jordan Gardenhire of Baja Brewing down in uh, Cabo San Lucas. Um, you know, of course, everyone is dealing with this um, global crisis right now, but there are some places that are prone to tornadoes or uh, like Jordan, you know, they, they suffered uh, hurricanes and basically had to rebuild. And that's just kind of, that is their sense of normal down there. So if you're, if you go in expecting um, having something like a, um, a hurricane depositing six feet of mud in your brewery, um, then you, you tend to plan for that. It sounds like you have a number of clients who have planned for something like this. What about those um, breweries or tap rooms or restaurants that were that were just hanging on, or um, the breweries who put all their eggs in uh, kegging their beer to try and get it into on-premise and less canning? What what would you advise them at this point? Yeah, um, well, <laughs> that's a good question. Can I can I go back to some of our you know bigger bigger philosophies and then I'll drill down into this? Yes, um, of course. And I, it, it may be you know hindsight's twenty twenty. It may be maybe too late to really follow these principles, but. Um, I think the breweries that make it out the other side need to hear these principles uh, because, as you mentioned, our customers have planned, and they planned by following the principles of leading with the liquid, right? Under under no circumstances do the breweries we work with uh, compromise on liquid, even if it means dumping multiple batches. Number two is serving your backyard. I've been preaching since 2012, you shouldn't be distributing past a 30 to 50 mile radius. Now, 30 to 50 mile radius is uh, very subjective to the area you're in and the market you're in, but you get what I'm saying. You stay close to home. It starts in the tap room and then it expands from there. You don't over lever yourself in, in various markets. And um, yeah, it's, it's really those two principles that um, as attractive as it is to go and um you know, get the revenue on that one batch of beer that goes out or as attractive as it is being called upon a distributor in a market that you can't serve really needs to be disciplined um, and disciplined decision-making on, on, on the business side. Now for breweries that are levered in um, draft and they may have a crawler machine or they have access to mobile canning, um, 
you know, I, I would say um, first things first is to get the beer in the package that can move. Okay. Um, and that would mean lining up your, uh, the aluminum, lining up the, uh, mobile, mobile canning or packaging, lining up some sort of label. Labels can be created very, very quickly these days. Um, I've heard of some breweries going to their top 10% of their accounts and buying the beer back and putting it into cans. Now I'm not a brewery operator and I know there's a lot of waste in converting it from, keg to can, but it's an opportunity to look at that account and say, we're going to help you guys make money. We're making money. So we're going to help you guys make money. Um, really all breweries must pivot to the format that the consumer is willing to consume the product in is, is what it, what it, what it comes down to, which is why I mentioned earlier, people with their own, you know, fixed capital equipment of canning lines are, are in a very good position right now to, um, and, and I even, I even say the first person that comes up with the invention to move liquid from one brewery to another that has a canning line is, is going to be the winner because that would be huge. Not a craft brewery is not using their canning line every single day. And every day that canning line sits, it could be filling beers for, for other breweries. It's a matter of moving the liquid from point A to point B. Um, and keeping the quality up. So, um, and, and to speak on the restaurant side, you know, I, we have a, um, we are, we are, we are doing three nights a week at my house supporting local restaurants. I have a reimbursement policy for my team to support local restaurants every month. Um, I was out Saturday night as one of our three nights and the restaurants were packed, Jeremy. I don't know what it looks like in your neighborhood. When I say packed, I mean, as I was waiting, there were a lot of people waiting with me. And when I went to pay, there were tickets as far as the eye could see. Um, we are an economy of eating out. We are an economy of having it delivered to us. Um, I, and I'd actually like to hear what the restaurants look like in your neighborhood since we're so far apart. But, I don't know. The restaurants in my area will be fine because they have pared down their labor to match the revenue. And, and food is continuing to go out the door. Uh, now, and brew pubs in my area and brew pubs that we work with continue to do well, too, because people are going to pick up food and going to pick up, um, um, you know, beer as well. Uh, and as a side note, and uh, if I never have to eat a to-go French fry again, I, I'll be okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, at, at my house, we've been doing a lot of uh, home cooking because I, I do like to cook. Um, but I have uh, um, I have spoken briefly with. Uh, you know the the closest place to my house is this wonderful pizza joint and uh, and tap room. And I've spoken to the owner there, just kind of checking in. Hey, hey, how are things going? Kind of expecting a doom and gloom response. And um, they they have been pretty busy. Now that is a pizza to go place, and I think they have like twenty four taps uh, that they can. Um, well, I don't think we're uh, filling growlers right now, but uh, but you know they can still get beers out. But um, so I think that has been okay. Uh, that has kept the lifeline going. Um, another, uh, in a town, uh, about 20 minutes away from where I live, 
there's another fantastic uh, tap house, family owned. It's kind of like Cheers. You walk in, it's like they know your name. They have history with everyone. I just love it. And they've got uh, several dozen taps. It's, it's just incredible. Um, I spoke with them recently and uh, and their and their thought was, well, you know, the Crowler machine is saving their business for now or keeping it uh, keeping it alive. But uh, come, you know, and they can hang on through like May, but after that, they don't know. So we're, we're kind of hoping that things will uh, get moving again here pretty soon for that sake. Mm-hmm. And I, I highly encourage everyone to take advantage of the uh, state and, and federal programs around um, grants or loans. I know that in Florida here, everyone has gone for the the payroll protection program. I mean, you know, customers all over the country have gone over that, but the the customers have also gone for local loans, uh, local grants. Um, you're going to need to be proactive about that. No one is going to come hand that to you. Um, and so I would, I would search, um, you know, some sort of grant, uh, you know, um, economic disaster grant for your County, for your state, um, it may be a low interest loan, but the idea is twofold, right? The idea is number one, uh, to make sure you have enough cash flow available to maintain. Uh, and then number two, if the loan is a low enough interest and the terms are favorable, you now have cash for a potential opportunity. And, uh, the opportunities, I'm, I don't want to get into what, what, what the opportunities could be. Uh, but there, that, that is very likely for there to be, um, financial opportunity for some breweries that are in a a strong, strong cash position when this is, when this is done. Well, and, and, and I think I mentioned to you, I'm, I am not a financial person, but it seems to me that, um, a a lot of us pride ourselves in being uh, debt free, but there are certain things Mm -hmm. like you just described that sound like a good version of debt that does, um, you know, like you said, favorable terms and low interest, but it creates opportunities to, um, or creates the ability to take advantage of an opportunity that you otherwise would have had to pass over and um, and further uh, not hurt your business, but not help it either. Is that is that a fair statement? Yes, absolutely. Um, so op- the op- yeah, the opportunities that I talk about. Um, there, there are, there are a lot, um, and I'll just speak on a few, um, right now. So if you're able to secure some debt, some debt at a favorable rate, um, you're now looking at the ability to maybe pay back some higher interest rate loans that you have, pay off credit cards that are super high interest rates, um, potentially buy out some existing investors, uh, which is, is really going to be the best use of capital. Right. If your business, if your brewery is on, on the rise, um, maybe uh, secure some equipment, whether it's a smaller canning line now and then move to something larger later or split a canning line with another brewery. So there's those are the opportunities that that are the lowest hanging fruit when it comes to getting your hands on what I call cheap money or low interest debt. And it, and it sounds like, you know, basically we just need to uh, be creative, which as a 
uh, beer, uh, a brewing community, we tend to be creative. And um, the other thing we have going for us, too, is we also tend to be collaborative. And so trying to reach out to a neighborhood brewery that you would otherwise compete with, but say, hey, can we... Uh, can we share your canning line? We'll we'll make it worth your while. That that sounds like a um, a plan that would that might actually work in the brewing industry and probably not elsewhere. But that's a good idea. Absolutely. Um, I, I know you uh, you have uh, a, a timeline here. So um, uh, the next question I was going to ask you is how businesses can uh, set themselves up to thrive when this is all done. But from uh, what you've uh, talked about um, and kind of some of the principles that you preach, it sounds like you've already answered that. So I'm going to I'm going to parlay that, and and uh, anyone who wants to go back and review those can just hit the rewind button. Um, or more importantly, my next question is how could people connect with you if they want to get some some of your advice or um, or just chat with you about uh, things that they can do for the future. Sure. Yeah, so if they head out to uh, sbstandard.com, it's a abbreviation for small batch standard. Um, there's uh, a million ways to get in touch with us on the website. And I highly encourage everyone to join our, our email list because we put out some very beefy content um, on sometimes a daily or at least a weekly basis. Um uh, sharing uh, experience and metrics and benchmarks and and just a lot of a lot of stuff that we've learned on this journey um, that um, that is has been very useful. So um, yeah, sbstandard.com. There's a there's a, a, um, a form there you can fill out to speak to me or, or Tom, and then also um, jump on our email list because that that content is huge. Great. And, and thank you very much for putting that out there. Um, would that also be appropriate for a business who is, who's got uh, one phone call left in them before they sh- uh, shutter everything up? Um, basically, do you guys handle like emergencies? Like this is our last ditch effort as well? Um, that I, I will, I will talk to anyone. However, at that point, it may be too late. Okay. Um, if we're being, if we're being real about it. Um, now, if someone calls me and says, we're at the end of the rope. Uh, however, we have someone that's willing to infuse uh, two months worth of payroll and rent. Now we can talk, and now we can say, "Hey, let's let's figure out if 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 it's worth taking that two months." Or, but but coming to me and saying, "Look, we have three days left of cash," it may be too late at that point. Yeah, um, fair enough. Some something should have been done uh, sooner. So. Um, I mean, I, I, that, that, that sounds terrible, um, and I and I do not want to keep up the doom and gloom because because I really believe in this industry. I believe in the product. Uh, I believe that um, I believe breweries are going to be fine. Uh, people love alcohol. They love what breweries have done in their communities. It's just we need to run really smart business until we can get back to a place where people are comfortable visiting again. Yeah, agreed. Um, uh, Chris, do you have any uh, final advice or final words of wisdom before we depart? Um, yeah, just keep your, keep your heads up. Uh, take it, take it a day at a time. Um, just get the tasks done that need to be done that day. Um, I think I've been preaching to our inner circle for the past year, um, about reminding them what it was like and 
2012, 13, 14, when they came in every day, when the owners came in every day and grinded out. And I, I've been encouraging them to get back and do that with the outside sales focus. Well, the outside sales focus doesn't exist anymore. So it's, you know, your tap room now and it's your, your operations because a lot of owners have graduated out of that day to day, which is completely normal for a growing business. But at this time, the, the team, the operations, everything needs that calm, empathetic voice. So dial, dial your, dial your brain back to 2012 or 13 or whenever you opened and, um, you know, I'd say buckle up for the next six to eight months, but it's going to, it's going to pay back major dividends if you do. And, and, uh, before we go, I just want to add one more thing to what you just said. Um, you mentioned that you basically built your business around building relationships using the tool set you have. I, I think, um, any business that wants to, uh, survive this and even thrive, uh, once it's over is dial back down to relationships, build those relationships with your customers, with your accounts, with whatever that is. And, uh, and, and most of the problems hopefully will take care of themselves just by having a strong relationship there. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on the show and lending your expertise and uh, advice for those who can benefit from it most. Oh, you're welcome, Jeremy. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the special mini series of the Good Beer Matters podcast. I hope it was helpful and I can't wait to have a beer with you out in public again soon. Until then, cheers. Cheers.